Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. Stay tuned as Greg Prince brings the Catholic newsmakers to you. Wherever it's happening in the diocese, you'll hear about it on Western New York Catholic Weekly. Always happy to have our guest today back here in our studios. Doubly happy today because he is serving as our honorary chairperson for this year's Catholic communication campaign in uh, your parish, June 11th and 12th. And we thank you in advance for your generous support of our communication efforts here in the Diocese of Buffalo, both in terms of our uh, uh, radio ministry here that uh, uh, we're happy you join us every week, uh, but also television programs through Daybreak TV productions like our Daily Bread with Father Paul Sile, the televised mass, which uh, our guest has been a part of before here, and uh, also the Western New York Catholic newspaper, all the efforts, and thank you for your support of our work through the Catholic Communication Campaign. Our guest, Father Duke Zajac. Father Duke, welcome back to the program. Well, glad to be back, Greg. Uh, we're not hawking a book this time. I'm not sure how Son this is going to go. Th- I, talk about my old books. <laughs> we will. I think we will as, as we go on, right? So, uh, um, you know, um, because uh, even though it might seem that way, we don't just pick a name out of a hat to uh, uh, to be a uh, chairperson for the communication campaign. Uh, uh, but, I mean, you've been involved with our office on several levels for a long time. I mean, yeah. and one of those things is, and and, and since, since we mentioned it right at the beginning, we will for people who maybe haven't heard you on the show or, or, or are not familiar with, uh, with you that much a chaplain at Sisters yeah, Hospital. Been there thirty three years. Can't believe it. Yeah, and and you've published what four four books volumes uh, now of your them. homilies. Yeah. I yeah. always say I have no creativity. They're yeah. all the same title. Life yeah. Injections one, two, three, and four. <laughs> four right? Life, yes. Life, Life Injections one is connecting scripture to the human experience. Number two is further connections. Number three is additional. And my newest uh, one, a year old, I guess, right around this right. time, yeah. is uh, still more connections of scripture to the human experience. Yeah, was it? It was. I think end of the summer. We had John last time last year. So, I mean, you, yeah, you were on fairly recently here, uh, before, well, at least now, now it becomes clever names, right? So for your next one, you got to find another clever adjective to add to life connections, right? <laughs> well, I thought what I would do, it's interesting, my next book, I'm hoping to, to do a book for preachers and specifically for funerals, because that's one of the biggest, uh, I think the biggest responsibilities we have as a, as a priest. And I think it's so important at a funeral, uh, to try to uh, highlight the life of the person uh, that, that that's passed away. I know the, the church says you're supposed to preach about the resurrection, and that's a kind of a cop-out, at least I think it is. I, I shouldn't say cop-out, but I mean, I mean uh, it's easy to do that because it means you don't have to do the work of a funeral, which is to find out who this person is that you're about to bury. Now, sometimes you're lucky because, and, I, and I'm kind of lucky because most of the funerals that I do now, not being in a parish, are people who I at least know, or at least I know, or I know family members. And then the big challenge is to learn about the person and try to, in your homily at the funeral, is to highlight the good qualities and the positive qualities of the person. I just think it's, it's fitting that somebody who's lived a fairly decent life has been an active part of in your parish. Uh, I mean, we have to lift that life, and, and that's why people are there. And they wouldn't come to there unless they, they, they felt strongly... Uh, about the uh, uh, the family or the person who's passed away. That's, uh, that's well, yeah, and, and if someone's active, of course, in in their church, and, and you find that out about them, they probably have 
favorite scripture readings sure. and those kinds of things that are all part of the service that you'd want to use in your preaching anyway, exactly. right? And the other thing too, Greg, is that you know you, you might know the person from one angle, but I don't know them from the other angles. So so it's up to it's a responsibility I feel of, of pastors and priests to to find out those other angles about that person's life and and try to lift them up as once once again to uh, to highlight uh, as, as you honor that person with this Christian burial and and try to. Uh, recognize the kind of things in their life that, uh, that thank God, they've left behind for us to use. But I use a thing. I, I have a, one of the ways I which I get into people's lives. I do a thing about I'm old enough to remember, and I rattle off a lot of things. that, uh, And then I get all these nodding heads, you know. I remember when the 45 are... 45s and 78s and 33 and the thirds. I remember the telephones that started with a word instead of a You're number. speaking my language yeah. here. You know, so, I'm a record collector. So anyway, so there's, a, there's, yeah. an interesting, <laughs> there's an interesting thing I, 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 I gleaned, which is a, a piece out of Alice in Wonderland where uh, uh, the White Queen is conversing about memories uh, with uh, Alice. And, 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 and the White Queen says, you know, and Alice is talking about all the things in the past. He said, well, it's a poor sort of memory that only looks backwards. That's a great line. Yeah. Because I moved from there to say that uh, uh, that's, the, that's the best tribute we can pay to the person that we've lost, the best way in which to, uh, the best uh, way to recognize this life that you've been privileged to have been touched by. Is to is to imitate the wonderful qualities of living that that person has shown to you, and in that way, that person will live on through you, and therefore you're going to create new memories, forward memories of this person who's passed away. It's an interesting little little story, and I, I, I and I think it's that's a good way to look at it. You know, the person's left us uh, left an imprint, and uh, we have to use that imprint in order to. Uh, um, allow that life to continue through us, not only through the uh, resurrection and the new life of, of, uh, that they've experienced through death. Well, this all relates, I, I mentioned, you know, I mean, we don't pick the names out of a hat. I mean, we, you know, um, and one of the things, of course, that, that you're known for is uh, your preaching, your books are collections of Sermons of homilies. Exactly. If, people aren't, if people aren't aware that uh, you write out word for word every homily. I'm, a, I'm an old. I work with a yellow pad. Yeah. I'm not into the uh, into some of the modern technology. I, I sit with a yellow pad and I and I, I I've mentioned this on the air before. Sure. I spent almost sure. twenty yeah. hours writing a sermon, and it's a, it's it's a, it's quite a challenge. And then I go from the yellow paper to the white paper. And that's and the white paper is what I take to the pulpit. So the entire sermon is 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 with me at the pulpit, and I and and I do my best not to be any kind of a slave to it. And then it also keeps getting corrected. I mean, I move from one mass to another. I'll make corrections. I'll be in the car with a magic marker. I didn't like the way that worked. And, and sometimes overnight, the next morning, before I preach now, maybe the second or third time I've used, I preached a sermon, I, I do even further corrections. And well, I just it, want it to go, to go well. Well, communication, that's what we're talking about. Well, well again, yeah. That's, it's got to be it, something that's going to touch the life of the person that you're preaching. Yeah, exactly. The, um, one of the things, and I, I'm not sure that folks sitting in the pews always, you know, that you know this, but you don't really think about it. Of course, you know, we go to Mass one time on a weekend, you know, or for a daily Mass goer, you, you know, we go every day, but like once, okay? Whereas I mean, you might have to preach the same homily three, maybe four times in a weekend. No, exactly. and, and even on a daily, you might have two Masses a day. Yeah. 
that you need to preach the same. And so um, I, I would think sometimes it helps to have that all. But yeah, I mean, you're probably you're prone to, well, I didn't like that. Thank goodness I get another shot at it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, to make the corrections. Yeah. And I know, I, I, as, as, as you know, I, I, and that's the story is my main means of communication. I just find that to be, so people always relate to a story. And I always say if, I, if, my, if the sermon fails, the story may 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 stay with them a story that that, that within its own context uh, relays a message and i might take that story and and uh, and and uh, you know point it in a different direction but the story in and of itself oftentimes oh i the, the, the way, I, don't, I don't know if you were at the men's conference i i, I spoke at the men's conference uh, and i talked about the uh, um uh, uh, Barriers to healing, okay? And one of the stories I use, one of my favorite stories, is about a gentleman gets up in the morning. I should say in the middle of the night. I'm, uh, pardon me. And uh, he wants a sandwich, and he goes to the kitchen, and he turns on a light, only to have the light bulb goes out. And it's pitch dark. There's no light anywhere. And he desperately wants that sandwich. But he knows that in the corner of the kitchen there's a closet, and within that closet... Uh, is a ladder and, and, and a light bulb. He knows where they are. He knows where the, where the, where the and, he, and he needs a screwdriver to take off the lamp. So he very gingerly he feels his way along the wall and accidentally, while doing so, knocks over the bowl of dog food for his dog. And, and it's kind of tough to walk on kibbles and bits with bare feet. Yet he did. He gets the ladder the light bulb, and the screwdriver, maneuvers the ladder to the center of the room where he believes the light is. He begins to ascend the ladder. And it could have been a kibble. It might have been a bit. It gotten stuck on the ball of his foot. And on the second rung of the ladder, he, he lets out a yell, goes flying off the ladder. The light bulb now shatters. The screwdriver goes flying. And all of a sudden, his wife runs down the stairs, runs into the kitchen, and turns on the light. Over the sink, the light he had entirely forgotten was there. And the moral of the story is, before you concentrate on what's broken, take a look around and, and, and see as to what still works. I love that story. And I, there's an old story that I've used it many years ago, and I use it again at the conference because I'm making a point, okay, something bad happens to you. You know, don't concentrate on what's bad. Take a look around and see as to what still works. I kind of like that's one of my favorite stories. I have many favorite stories, of it, and that's one of them. And uh, and, uh, and and I and I always I say it's a great means of communication. And 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 and, and I'm always on the lookout. I can find a good story, and I and I read a lot, and uh, and sometimes purposely read certain authors because I know they'll offer many times they will offer. Uh, um, an image or an illustration uh, that uh, that I could maybe use someday in making the point that I'd like to make uh, with this particular sermon. So. Well, that that kind of highlights one of the things. And by the way, Father Duke Zajac is our guest chaplain at Sisters Hospital, our honorary chair this year for the Catholic Communication Campaign. And thank you once again for your ongoing support of that as you listen to the program here today. But um, the regular listeners of this program have already heard you, already aware that you're the honorary chairperson because we have a spot that we include in the in the program, you know, and and so they they may have already heard you. One of the things, of course, that that it says in that that spot is in your line of work, right, Mm -hmm. hospital chaplains. So you run into people when they're having a rough – you don't go to hospital because things are going well, okay? And – 
um, people are looking for some good news, right? When they when they come in there, right? And so that's part of the job of a chaplain, right? I mean, you you put a great emphasis on preaching or whatever, but of course we often refer to scripture as the good news, you know, and and um, that's an important part of your line of work. Oh yeah, and you know, and sometimes the best means of communication, Greg, is not to say anything. You know, sometimes you, you, your presence is a, is, a, is a means of communication. And it depends on how your presence. I mean, it's, it's we all. You know, it was an old Western Priory song. There's an energy about us. I can't remember the particulars, but we do. We bring an energy into the room, and many. And you can. I remember one time I was in a situation where, where, where I was with some other people, and we had done something, and we thought we were going to be praised. But as soon as the leader of the uh, what we were doing walked in the room, you knew immediately when he walked that, that this that, that I could you could tell right away this is not going to go well. I could feel, you could feel the energy yeah. in the room, and many times, and that's true. In fact, I I often will talk to Eucharistic ministers, and I think one of the if anybody out there wants to volunteer, volunteer as a Eucharistic minister if you are one already in a hospital. There's, there's no better means of bringing Christ to people. I said, you know, and I always tell people, you're not only bringing Christ in the Eucharist that you. Are carry with you, but you yourself are bringing Christ into the room, and and sometimes your spirit, just for your presence, how you come across, and, and then the bottom line is you got to be genuine. The worst thing you can do in any hospital visit is is to is to is to play a role. I'm, hey, well, you, you smile and, and and you're not really happy, and 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 people can tell a phony a mile away. And the last thing they do when they're lying in a hospital bed is some phony coming in trying to tell them that <laughs> I care about you. Well, if you care about me, yeah. he wants you to show it. You know, that kind of a thing. But I, but I find in, in many one of the advantages of being at Sisters for 33 years is you know I've got, I've known a lot of people. I've been at the at the bedsides of so many who have died, and and unfortunately, many times that same family will be in again with yet another. Loved one, and they remember me from the last time they were there. And so I have the advantage, at least, of being of having established uh, some communication uh, with with many patients, and they know me as soon as I walk in. I, I, like I say, thirty three years in in, in in hospital ministry, and, and sadly, many people uh, uh, have come on a frequent basis to the hospital. So, so I just do my best by going in as, as as genuine as I can be, and I am genuinely like people, and and, and I and I try to. Get a sense of them as soon as you go in. A lot of times you can tell from people. Uh, sometimes they send out vibes too, and they may not want to see you at that point. I, I'm smart enough to know when I walk into a room and I'm tell I'm kind of getting a signal. I don't really want to see you. Well, I, I, I'll you know exit stage left that time. Let me try again another time to see and be surprised. Sometimes after maybe the second or third visit, all of a sudden you know you, you don't press yourself onto the patient at all. And you'll find uh, after a while they kind of warm up, and, and then once you once you've dropped the dropped the fences and dropped the masks, and uh, and meet at a human level, and that's kind of where real communication uh, takes place. And normally this is the point where I'll plug your book, but I uh, do, we don't have a book to plug today, <laughs> Father. Well, so uh, still did, on yes, that's right. You can still go to Amazon.com, <laughs> look up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can look up <laughs> Father Duke Zajac, and uh, you will. Uh, yes, uh, life uh, life injections. I want to retire right? early, so please yes. buy the books. Yeah. Well, life injections, <laughs> one through four. So if if you only see one, you're missing the boat. There's four of them on there. I'm Greg Prince. Joining me, no stranger to our program, Father Duke Zajac, and uh, he is our honorary chairperson for the Catholic Communication Campaign this year. And uh, we thank you in advance for your uh, support of the Communication Campaign taking place in parishes of the diocese this June 11th and 12th on that weekend. So, uh, again, thanks for uh, your support 
of that. And uh, yeah, you're a guy, Father Duke, who, I mean, you, you know the importance of the word. You you kind of know the importance of good communication and that we were talking a little bit about that in terms of, of your hospital ministry, in terms of, of being a chaplain, but certainly in your uh, uh Preaching, but I mean, you've been on, uh, you know, you've certainly been on a microphone like this a time or two. Yeah. Um, you, you've been on the, the televised masses with Daybreak before, right? I mean, those, you've, yeah, so those you've. Are, those are quite a challenge. Yeah. Looking at a camera. <laughs> you know, nobody knows how I preach. I preach relatively long, but I always I keep your attention most of the time. At least I think I do. But I, I don't see many heads bobbing. Uh, but uh, but the challenge on the, on the televised mass is you, you've, you've got to watch the clock. It can only talk. Well, about the other point, there's no head minutes. to bob there, though. So, I mean, that's a plus. <laughs> I but I mean, exactly yeah. Right. Right. Anyway, <laughs> well, that's the challenge is to try to get it done. I always ask the question: What's what's the thirteen minute mark? You got to be done with your sermon, otherwise you may not finish the, the mass. And so, it, so I always find that to be a challenge whenever I, I do the televised mass. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, you are an author. I mean, you've got you've got collections, but we kind of joke about plugging the book on Amazon. But we hope people. By the way, it's not really a joke. We hope you go on and read. There's some great stories in there. You'd really enjoy reading those. So, and if you've heard the program before. Before, you know, I mean, you're aware of uh, some of the things that, that uh, Father Duke has written about. But, I mean, it's important for you then to get the word out about that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in, you know, in, in, our, in our media culture today, there are less and less opportunities for you to do that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a challenge. But, you know, I have the advantage, of course, having a pulpit every week. Not right. everybody has a pulpit so yeah. <laughs> to talk about. That. <laughs> At least you got that. I have that. Well, and, and you're not in the same place every weekend necessarily, right? Not I mean, really. you, yeah. Yeah. I, I do masses at both hospitals, both St. Joe's Hospital as well as Sisters. And, of course, I, 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 I was at the... Uh, at St. Ambrose for a good number of years, and I still go back on a regular yeah. basis to say Mass there. And once in a while, I get calls from other places if I could help, and I'm always glad to do that as well. I, I enjoy preaching. I, I, it's like a love-hate thing because to prepare a sermon is just a, is a, a tortuous uh, ordeal. And I, I, I've, I've said on the air many times, I, I'm fortunate I preach every other week. So sometimes you catch a rerun of a sermon <laughs> I had preached before. Right. In fact, this past week, I, I, I I, I, it was actually a sermon that I had preached back in the year 2000, and I liked it so much that I did just kind of doctored it a little bit, kind of brought it up to, to snuff. And it, it all had to do with, if you remember, we're, 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 we're taping the show around the time just, just after Easter, and the first reading in the past Sunday was how people were maneuvering people so that St. Peter's shadow would fall upon them. And, and of course, to me, the opening image of a sermon is, is critical. And I and I and I referenced, and I couldn't help it. It really did come to mind as soon as I read the first reading. I remembered an episode of the X Files. I've always been a great buff of, and I actually admitted Sunday, and I said I'm ashamed to say I'm a fan of uh, of The Walking Dead. <laughs> and that was really kind of funny because I got I got some comments afterwards because uh, it was Sunday night, and, and the, the final episode of that segment was coming. Anyway, there was an episode of the X Files where. Uh, Dr. Chester Banton. That's the wonder, beauty of the internet. You can go back and actually find the episode on the internet. Right, Mr. right Chester sure. Banton uh, had uh, been zapped in a particle acceleration room, and were, were the point where if anybody crossed his shadow, they would be vaporized. And, and so, 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 so uh, uh, Mulder and, and, and Scully had to go looking for this guy and. Uh, and so I couldn't help but think of that. And they says, "Well, you know, no one's going to vaporize, but, but." But there are cultures in which that actually happens, not vaporization. Uh, but, but people will uh, – look, for an example, in India, uh, uh, 
if if a member of the priestly class, if if some if an outcast of society, if their shadow goes over their food, they throw the food away because they feel that that shadow is a source of contamination. Yeah. And and then and then Mahatma Gandhi was alive. People did maneuver themselves to have his shadow fall upon them sure. because uh, they felt that was a rich spiritual blessing. And and of course, in the early church, it was the same kind of idea, which is why we read in the first reading. They, they want to make sure Peter's shadow fell upon them. And I move in and say, well, we can think that's all superstition, but I said. We really all do cast a shadow. And if we look at the shadow we cast as our influence on people, uh, then it's then we can indeed be, uh, affect people by our shadow. And we can affect them positively or we can affect them negatively. Do you, do you have a story? It makes me think. Do you have a, a, a story of maybe um, one of those times that sticks with you of a particular sermon that you gave that really affected some, I mean, over the years, I'm sure you've heard a number of, of different things. Well, Is there anything that really sticks with you? Well, what I find sometimes interesting, uh, and, and uh, we'll, we'll have somebody tell me, uh, one particular case, this, this, uh, this gentleman says to me, you know, it's because of you, my daughter's going to Dayton or whatever school that she's going to. She, she went to your 7 o'clock. I don't know what you said. And, of course, I didn't remember what I said either <laughs> because we were talking in the past. It was probably in your book, though. <laughs> <laughs> Volume 2, I think it was. Yeah, I died. In the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, so you're, you're, you're shocked that sometimes something you say, some story. I, and I think I mentioned earlier I said that, uh, in preaching the story in and of itself uh, has its own message. And, and, and what I do with it might be different than what the story Somebody might hear the story. They remember the story. Even if my sermon failed, if they get nothing out of what I said, the story sometimes can, can, have, can have legs, and, and suddenly uh, they remember it, and then somehow that becomes a, a big, uh, big thing that affects their life. You never know. I, I get, every once in a while I get a note from somebody about some sermon I preached, and, and uh, they affect uh, the moved them so much, and I said, gee, what did I say? That's why you never know. And, and I mentioned, I, I, I told the story this past Sunday uh, of the Dr. Bruce Thielman. If there was a preacher in the past that I that I most like, let's say it's Dr. Bruce Thielman. I got a chance to meet him at Chautauqua, and then he had a uh, and he used to put his sermons on tape. And he was a great storyteller, similar to, to and he uses a style of preaching similar to my own. And and I and and he mentioned about his very first homiletics class. He said the professor walked in. He said he put his hat and coat on the desk in his briefcase, walks to the podium and says, Gentlemen, a man 35 years of age was lying on the operating table. The doctor didn't do what he was supposed to do, and the patient died. His life expectancy was 75 years. Then he paused, went back and said again, Gentlemen, a man 35 years of age was sitting in a church one Sunday, the preacher rose to the pulpit. The preacher was not prepared, preached a horrible sermon. The man left the church, never came back. His life expectancy is eternal. And then he went back and picked up his hat and coat, walked out the door, leaving the seminarians to ponder what he had just said. <laughs> you know, and then I went on to say, you know, even if we're not a preacher, something we do or something we say can sometimes have that far-reaching of an effect. We just never know. We could be hurting someone or we could be helping someone, and we have to be very careful how we communicate, what we communicate, and that's why we should always be on our best behavior, so to speak, because especially, uh, I say, well, I'm a clergy, but I better be 
a sign and symbol of, 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 of God's presence. And, and that's a challenge for us as followers of Christ, too, that we need to be very careful uh, how we behave and what we say because it could influence, it could have an effect, uh, a detrimental effect or a positive effect. And, and I think it's, it's, it's imperative of us always to try to uh, be, be on our best behavior and, and pursue excellence in all that we do because we never know how that's going to uh, the long-lasting effect of what we do to people or how we, what we say to people. So. It's one of the reasons we like having you back. Uh, I'd like to think it's been mostly positive effects you've had with your <laughs> books and your sermons. So that's uh, well. I want. I'd like to take a minute and just thank you for uh, uh, you know getting the word out about the the work that we do here and uh, for your your support of our work and and to thank you for all you do for us here in the Office of Communications. Thank you, Greg. And, and please uh, be generous in the Catholic Communications campaign. A lot of the money comes back here. And helps us uh, here in the Catholic Center to to provide uh, good communication tools to uh, for people that are in the communication business, and also to be able to bring the good news of Christ out to the world around us, especially to this diocese. And and good books like Life Injections one through four <laughs> with Amazon Father Dukes Ajak, our honorary chairperson for the Catholic Communication Campaign, chaplain for Sisters Hospital. Thanks for being with us again this week. And thank you all for uh, for listening and for your uh, support in advance of the Catholic Communication Campaign in all the parishes of the diocese, June 11th and 12th. So thanks for your support in your parish. And as always, if you go to buffalodiocese.org, you can find any past programs. In fact, if you if you dig through, you might uh, – if you do a search at buffalodiocese.org and put Father Duke Zajac, a couple of those programs might come up and you can hear more from him. Uh, I'm Greg Prince. You can hear more from me next week here on West. New York Catholic Weekly. You've been listening to Western New York Catholic Weekly, produced by the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, with the help of the Catholic Communication Campaign and this radio station. Call us at 847-8744 or send us an email to radio at buffalodiocese.org. 